Mark, the fifth chapter, Mark chapter 5. Mark uh, chapter 5. I went back just uh, to make sure I was correct. And um, it has been uh, almost five months, uh, just maybe a week shy of uh, six days, actually shy of five months since we have visited uh, this subject, the subject of faith matics. Amen. I'm happy to report to you that although I have not really had an outlet to, uh, to preach these messages, um, the Holy Spirit has continued to teach me uh, things along these lines, and um, uh, I don't have an exact number on the pages of notes uh, that we uh, started with in, in March, but uh, I'm almost positive they have doubled, if not tripled. And so I'm not exactly sure uh, how we're going to uh, get this teaching to you, but uh, I'm very excited about the impact and, that it's having on, on my life personally, my family personally, and um, so I look forward to continuing that. So at least for the next two Wednesday nights, tonight and next week, we're going to uh, jump back into our series uh, on Faith Maddox. Now, if you're wondering what uh, Faith Maddox uh, is, amen, uh, Faith Maddox is speaking of uh, to carry out and accomplish by the established manner of faith. To carry out and accomplish by the established manner of faith. Faith Maddox is speaking of a readiness, a willingness, and eagerness to learn, think, and do things by faith. A readiness, willingness, and eagerness to learn, think, and do things by faith. And so, if there is something called faith matics, amen, if you're wondering where that word came from, it came from the Holy Spirit, amen, I've never heard anybody else uh, use that word, but um, again, there's a long story behind it, I'm not going to uh, go into all the details tonight, but faith matics then, we've talked about becoming a faith matician, becoming a faith matician, and we said by definition, a faith matician is someone with extensive knowledge and skills in the use of faith to solve otherwise impossible life problems. So becoming a faith matician, the Bible talks about us growing up in faith, us growing from faith to faith, us becoming more developed and more skilled in faith. Jesus used his faith as a tool uh, to, to, to make tremendous uh, uh, differences in people's lives. Uh, healing, um, raising the dead, feeding crowds, uh, hungry people, uh, we just go on and on. Everything Jesus did, he did uh, by faith. Jesus is the ultimate faith matician, and we are following in his footsteps. Now, in Mark chapter 5, let's just jump right into the Word tonight. Mark chapter 5, verse number 21, it says this, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now, <clears throat> in the course of our study, I've instructed you to find the faith. In other words, when you're, when you're reading... Uh, uh, about you know people in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. You're you're reading their stories, uh, these different you know healing accounts with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> there's going to be faith. Sometimes it's very obvious. Other times it's more subtle. Uh, but if you look for it, you'll see it. 
And here I think it's pretty clear. Uh, when Jairus humbled himself, knelt at the feet of Jesus, uh, begged him, that's a strong word, but again, begged him to come. But notice, notice his faith. His faith is revealed in what he said. He said, my daughter's at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. This is where Jairus released his faith. This is where he, he uh, acted on the faith that was in his heart. Uh, faith without works is dead. So we know that he believed it in his heart. What was in his heart in abundance came out of his mouth. And verse 24, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Verse 25, now let's keep going. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, If only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. Now we know from another account of this that she said within herself, If she may touch the hem of His garment. So not just His clothes. Obviously the, clothes, the hem of the garment is on the clothes. But like for instance, one gospel account of this you know, says that it was a little girl. Another gospel account records that she was 12 years old. So we have different details. You can piece them all together. It's recorded three times in the Scriptures, uh, the account of this miracle. Um, so we know that, that she didn't just say clothes, but that she may touch the hem of his garment. Um, I shall be made well. Again, find the faith. Here it is, pretty obvious. This is what she's believing. Okay? Notice, the, notice how it's personal. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself that power had gone out of Him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But His disciples said to Him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And He looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, there's a few things that I want us to talk about tonight, but uh, just to make sure we get this stated on the front end, and then if we have time towards the end, we'll, we'll dig into it a little more. Uh, among other things, this particular woman, he, Jesus said her faith made her well. Now, you could make the argument that Jesus healed her, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said it was her faith that healed her. And we know that when she touched Him, healing power flowed from Him into her body and healed her immediately. Okay, So I want you to, I want you to think of, uh, of it this way. Her faith... Her faith made a connection. It's very, very important. Her faith made a connection, and the, and the, and the connection uh, created by her faith allowed, enabled, the healing power that was within Jesus to flow from Him into her. Um, so th think of it like if you plug in the iron. Um, you know, that, that plug, inserting it into the outlet, it makes a connection between the energy the electricity uh, that, that is present in that outlet 
when, when you plug the iron in, now a connection has made that enables the power to flow from inside the wall to the iron, and now you can iron your shirt, okay? So, again, I know it's so simple and practical, but her faith is what made that connection. In other words, she, by faith, plugged into uh, the healing that, that was present within Jesus, and it flowed from Him into her. And I know I've said this so many times, but it's been five months since I've said it, okay? She didn't ask Him to be healed. The Bible makes it very clear that healing is the children's bread. Jesus came to heal, right? And the Bible says on many occasions, He healed all who were sick, all who were oppressed of the devil. And so this woman believed that, she, that healing was not even something she had to ask for, but that she could simply by faith reach up and take a piece of that healing bread. And that's exactly what she did. But again, on a, on a more, when I say practical, I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand this, this isn't smoke and mirrors. This, this isn't uh, magic, okay? Faith is, some, is a real substance. It's a, it's a tangible, spiritual, spiritually nonetheless, but still a real substance, amen? And that substance is able to tap into the things of the Spirit, and so she, she used the spiritual force of faith to make a connection with Jesus. It, it wasn't, oh, praise God, we, obviously lots of people were touching him that were not being healed. So it wasn't just the physical contact, okay? It was a faith connection. So it wasn't just physical contact. She physically contacted him, but lots of people physically contacted him. She used the force of faith within herself to connect with him in such a way that allowed the healing that was in him for her, the same healing that, that, that's in him for her is in him for everyone. Come on now. The same healing that's, that was in him for her is in him for you. Amen. Praise <laughs> Oh, that gets me stirred up right there. It's in him for you. And so she, she made the connection and that healing flowed into her. Now, in the past we've referred to uh, the accounts in these verses as case studies in faith and healing. Matter of fact, I think there's, you know, you probably have to go back to February, January uh, of this year, uh, maybe even December of last year, I don't know exact dates, but there's actually some sermons entitled uh, Case Studies in Faith and Healing. And, and what we mean by case study is, the Bible says Jesus healed a whole bunch of folks, right? Um, and that if every person Jesus healed, and if every miracle He performed, and if every mighty work, indeed, that He did had, had been recorded, written down, there wouldn't be room enough to contain the volumes. This is what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John tells us towards the end of the Gospel of John. So what that means then is the ones that we do have recorded are strate strategically recorded for you and me to not just show us what Jesus can do, but, but to teach us you and me to teach us specifically things, you know, spe specific things about how faith is supposed to work and can work and will work uh, in our lives so that we also uh, can receive from Him by faith. And so, in that uh, same vein, um, we see then something that's important uh, to point out in, in both of these cases. In other words, I know that I, I did a break uh, between verse 24 and then we started again in Mark uh, 5.25. But in other words, there's no break there. This, when this woman with the issue of blood um, touched Jesus' garment by faith and received that healing, 
um, he was actually on his way to Jairus' house to heal Jairus' daughter. And then, of course, we know that as all this is unfolding with the woman uh, who had this issue of blood and, and received healing, now Jesus has stopped. He was on his way to Jairus' house. Now he stopped. He's having this conversation with her. She's being healed. And as Jesus now turns to continue on his way to Jairus' house, a messenger comes from Jairus' house and says something to the effect, you know, don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't trouble the master anymore. Uh, your daughter is dead. In other words, uh, it's too late. Uh, Jesus didn't come in time, and your daughter's, you know, not just sick anymore. She has now died. All right, so we have these two miracles, uh, you know, the receiving of healing that are occurring and, and all the details unfolding. And every detail that's recorded is, is recorded for our benefit, uh, is recorded for our instruction, is recorded for you and me to study. You know, again, case studies in faith and healing. We should study these cases uh, because there are things within these accounts of, of, of receiving healing by faith that we need to uh, understand and apply uh, to our own lives and to our own situations. And for you, it may not be healing. It, it may be some other area, something in, in your finances or your family situation, whatever. But whatever the case, we, we receive it by faith. Faith receives what grace has already given. So there's something here that I want to point out to you that I think is, um, is significant. And that is, in both cases, the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus, in both cases, we see a last-minute, uh, if you will, a last-ditch effort uh, from the enemy to derail their faith, to, to, to deflect their faith uh, uh, just before they received uh, their miracle from Jesus. Now, if that sounds like odd language to you, let me remind you uh, of the night that Jesus came walking on the water. The Bible says the the wind was kicking up and, and the waves and the disciples were afraid that their boat was going to sink and Jesus comes walking on the water and they think he's a ghost. They're, they're, a lot of them are sailors and fishermen and so it's, they think it's an omen and they're doomed and so forth. And, and, and so they recognize, or Jesus speaks to them and Peter says, if it's you, bid me come. And we know that Peter gets out of the boat, he walks on the water to Jesus until the Bible says he takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to focus on the circumstances. The, the, the Bible says it this way, when he saw the wind. Well, you can't see wind. You, you see stuff that the wind, of, you know, how you know, the wind kicking up the waves and so forth and so on. When he saw the wind, uh, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And what happened? He began to sink, right? Um, so as long as he was in faith, he was able to walk on water just like Jesus. But when he took his eyes off the object of his faith, again, deflected, de you know, derailed, he begins to go under. Okay? So in both of these cases, uh, Jairus, we've already identified his faith. What did he say? Jesus, if you come to my house and lay your hands on my daughter, she will be healed and she will live. Exactly what he said. Okay? That was his faith. Okay? The woman with the issue of blood, what was her faith? If I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. That's her faith. So we see, again, and I'm going to point it out to you, if it's, not, if it's not super obvious right now, I'm going to point it out to you. 
But we see again in both cases a last-minute effort from the enemy to derail their faith. Why am, I, why am I pointing this out to you? Because I believe a lot of us, myself included, I'm sure I've, I've had these situations in my own life, where we, be, we get so close to a breakthrough and all of a sudden the enemy, through some deceptive tactic uh, uh, that he uses, uh, he derails our faith just before our laying hold of what it is that belongs to us. So, let me point it out to you if you haven't seen it already. In Jairus' situation, this last-ditch effort from the enemy came in the form of the woman with the issue of blood. So think about it. He released his faith. Jesus agreed to go to his house and heal his daughter. Everything is on track. <laughs> think about it now. Everything's on track for a happy ending. In other words, he, he's, he's humbled himself. He's, he's done the hard part. You know, he released his faith. Jesus has said, let's go, let's go do it, right? And so I believe that, you know, Jairus, you know, kind of sigh of relief and, all right, it's going to be okay. I told my wife it was going to be okay and, and now it's, it's going to be okay, you know. And, and so away they go. But then out of nowhere, uh, this woman uh, touches Jesus and she is healed. But her healing causes Jesus to be delayed. So instead of Jesus going straight to Jairus' house and healing Jairus' daughter, he stops and deals with this woman who receives healing. But that delay, you know, what we say, meanwhile back at the ranch, meanwhile back at Jairus' home, Jesus didn't make it there in time and the, and, and the daughter dies. Okay? So... He believed for the happy ending, but now someone is telling him to not bother Jesus any further. It's too late. Um, your daughter is dead. All right? Now, let me, let me point out the other. I'll come back and talk about that in just a moment. In the, in the woman with the issue of blood, in her situation, she said within herself, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. Right? So she released her, faith, released her faith. But the closer she gets to Jesus, the more difficult it becomes to touch Him at all, much less His clothes, much less the specific thing that she had said within herself, the hem of His garment. Now we've pointed out the significance of that in the past. Let me just remind you that the prophet said when the Messiah came to the earth, there would be healing in His wings, healing in the tassels of His garment. So I believe that was the verse she had, had, had held on to, believing Jesus was the Messiah, believing what the prophet said, that when the Messiah came, there would be healing in His wings. And that's why she said, if I touch the wings or the hem of His garment, I'll be made whole, because there's healing there. She believed the Word of God. There's healing there. She Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so I believe, the Bible doesn't say that specifically, but I believe, get to heaven, you'll find out I'm right, amen. I believe that that was what she was standing on. So, but notice now, she's released her faith. This is the day. He's right there. And so, here she goes. But the closer she gets to Him, the Bible says people are thronging Him. I mean, it, it is just almost chaos around Jesus. People pushing and, and pressing and reaching and, 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 and trying to get to Him. So now notice, the closer she gets, remember, she's not supposed to be in public at all. Um, so, 
you know, I think she kind of imagined she would just kind of slip in there, take her some healing, and go on back to her house, and, 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 and again, the happy ending, happily ever after. So do you see how this, this last-ditch effort from the enemy, now it's, it's not as nearly as easy as she perhaps had imagined it to be, okay? But there's another thing here that, that, that you may not see uh, that I want to make sure you see. And that is all the people thronging Jesus, all the people fighting to get to Him and put a hand on Him, the overwhelming majority of these people were sick. The overwhelming majority of these people were touching Him because they also wanted to receive healing. So not only has it become very difficult for her to touch Him at all, much less the hem of His garment, she's watching sick person after sick person touch Him and walk away still sick. She's watching, you know, uh, uh, wounded people, hurt people, what have you. She's from that neighborhood. No doubt there's people she knows that are sick that are touching Him and leaving Him still sick. So do you see how the enemy is trying to use you know, these kinds of things to discourage her, to deflate her, to deceive her, and ultimately to, to bring doubt and derail her? Oh, praise God. Listen now. We, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. In other words, if, if he did it to Jairus and then he did it to the, you know, with the woman of, with the issue of blood, do you not think he's going to try to do the same thing to you and me? Now let's go back to Jairus' situation. Because how many times, how many times has the enemy pulled this one on us? It's too late. It's too late. If you'd have, if you'd have come earlier, maybe. But it's too late now. And that, that goes back to a lot of that teaching we did on, on this concept of probability. And probability has nothing to do with faith, right? But, you know, it, the, the probability thinking goes something like this. If Jesus had been here an hour ago, chances are she would still be alive. But since he didn't get here before she died, it's too late. No need to bother him anymore. Listen, don't you ever let the enemy tell you to stop bothering Jesus because you're not bothering him right that's one thing and and listen if you've ever said this to me i'm not trying to you know chastise you or rebuke you or whatever but you know please know that you do not have to begin a conversation with me pastor mark i hate to bother you okay you are not bothering me amen knows that are you following what i'm saying so many times we 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 go you know this you know we need some an answer or, or, or something like that and you know we have this idea that we're somehow bothering and so they tell, no need to trouble, no need to bother Jesus. Jesus was not bothered. Jesus was not troubled. Jesus enjoyed healing people. And I can only imagine that if He enjoyed healing somebody in their 70s and 80s, how much more would He enjoy healing a, a 12-year-old girl that had her whole life ahead of her? This wasn't a chore for Jesus. This wasn't drudgery. This wasn't, oh, i got to go heal another kid. No, He was like, man, let's go do it. Let's, let's, let's go destroy this work of the devil right now. Right? So there's no bother here. But, but the enemy will tell you it's too late. You're, you're just troubling God. You're just a bother to Him. He's really you know, not interested in helping you. Again, all those things are nothing more than lies from the enemy, tactics from the enemy to try to discourage you. Now, with the woman with the issue of blood. See, how many people, you know, let's say you receive some diagnosis. Now all of a sudden, people coming out of the woodwork. You know, people who had that same diagnosis and what happened to them. Or, 
you know, heaven help us. We don't even have to have people come out of the woodwork. We'll get on the internet and, and find the people, right? Had the same diagnosis. This is what happened to them. This is what happened to them. This is where this ended for them. This is how long they had to live, blah, blah, blah. Again, listen to me, please. This woman's faith is such an example for us to learn from. I mean, she is watching person after person do the same thing that she's there to do. Get a hand on Jesus. She's watching people put a hand on Him and leave sick, but yet it doesn't distract her. Her mindset is, if I touch the hem of His garment, I will be made whole. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I know if I touch Him, I'll be made well. Praise the name of the living God. So we need to learn from these tactics. We are not ignorant of the devil's devices. The closer you get to breakthrough, and some of you tonight are very close to breakthrough, so please do not be ignorant of how the devil's going to try to sidetrack you, derail you. The closer you get to breakthrough, the more desperate and the more deceptive Satan becomes to try and derail your faith and prevent you from receiving. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now, let's, um, let's do this. And I, I know, praise God, I, I told the Lord before tonight, because a lot of times when I, when I teach on this subject, and those of you who've, who've um, been here for some of the other Faith Maddox messages, um, we, we live in a world where, where people are, are easily offended. And, and that's a real problem. Um, on Sundays, we're, we're, we're talking about you know, the birth pangs that are going on in our world today. Jesus said they must come. Um, but we've also been talking about on Sundays how those birth pangs are revealing some areas in the body of Christ that, that uh, we're lacking in, that, that we, we need to get better at. And one of those areas is, is the area of offense. Um, this, this world that we live in right now um, it's, it's, it's an easily offended world. And we cannot, let, we cannot allow that mindset to creep into the church. We, we cannot be a people who are easily offended. Um, the Bible says where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. Again, straight out of the devil's playbook. All of this stuff. Fear, sickness, lies, hatred, division. And the list goes on and on. Things that we're seeing again in our world all of these things straight out of the devil's playbook. And, and, and so people becoming offended and, and entering into strife because of that offense, straight out of the devil's playbook. And, and we, we cannot fall victim to that. We cannot be a people who are easily offended, right? Jesus was not mean to anybody, but he offended a lot of people. Not because he was just throwing his weight around and, and, and being, you know, careless about what he said. No, no. He loved people enough to tell them the truth. He loved people enough to tell them things that was potentially going to hurt their feelings, but the only alternative was just to let them keep being wrong and let them keep suffering the misery that they were experiencing in their lives because of their wrongness, right? So Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth even if that truth was going to be offensive to them. You see, we, we, the enemy wants 
and I'm, I'm probably swerving over into a Sunday morning sermon right now, but, but let me just finish this one thought, then I'll, I'll wrap this up for tonight, or at least the last part of this. The enemy wants us to all be touchy. You know what I'm talking about, touchy? Like the least little thing we get offended at, least little things, just, you know, who does she think she is? Who does he think she is? So forth and so on. And, and it's coming to, to a, a, a point in our, our world today to where, um, you know, you can't do anything that might potentially offend another person, even if it's truth. Even if it's truth, right? And I've told you this, I've been telling you this now for a few years. Um, the enemy is trying to drag this country and ultimately this world to a place where the only thing that's wrong, the only thing that's bad or what we would call sin is intolerance, where, where we don't just, you know, um, agree with anything and everything that another person wants to say or do. And, uh, but anyway, let me get back to where I, where I started going down that road. I, I'm aware that some people, when we start talking about um, receiving from God by faith, it, it can be a potentially offensive thing for them. Um, you know, again, that's not my intention here to offend, uh, but I am intending to tell you the truth. <laughs> Amen. And what we see here, I think, is, is a remarkable case study in the sense that this woman was an exception. And what I mean by that is, I, I, don't, I don't know if there were a hundred people counting her that touched Jesus on this particular day. The Bible uses the word thronging him, and, and that's a strong word. I personally believe it was hundreds of people maybe even thousands of people that were pressing him. Um, we know from other places in the Gospels that Jesus you know, would have to escape crowds that would have potentially crushed him. And we've seen this in you know, soccer matches overseas and things of this nature, uh, uh, concerts and, and things where, where the crowd just becomes so thick that people are actually injured, even killed or smothered. And so we know from other places that the crowds thronged Jesus like that uh, to the point that he had to, that's why he would keep a boat. You know, he told his disciples, keep me a boat close by in case I have to jump in it to escape. All right? So we don't know that it was this kind of crowd on that day, but the fact that, he, that they used that word again, thronged, tells me that this was a mob of people. A mob of people. And and, and so, but I'm just going to, to make it simple, to make it simple, I'm just going to use the number 100, okay? So, this woman with the issue of blood and 99 other people, so 100, just to keep it simple. 100 people touched Jesus on this particular day, one received healing, and 99 did not, okay? This was the only woman that Jesus said, who touched me? I felt healing leave me. He's looking around and go in her body. Now, if you are interested, if I am interested, let's, let's just say, um, uh, let's just say you wanted to open a donut stand, okay? Um, we have some friends of our family 
uh, that actually did it. They opened a place called Heavenly Donuts. All right. Well, because they wanted to be successful with their uh, donut enterprise, they went to a long-standing, well-established donut shop in another state and basically volunteered for the, for the guy for a while to what? To learn from somebody who's successful. They wanted to be successful. They know a lot about donuts other than they like to eat them. But they went to learn from somebody who's successful, right? So let's take that same mindset there. Um, let's not be like the religious crowd that says it wasn't God's will for the other 99 to be healed. It was only, no, no. It was, you'll never convince me because remember, this woman didn't ask. And, and it, it, Jesus didn't make a conscious decision. Mm, you, come here, I'm going to heal you. No, he's going to Jairus' house. This woman touches him. Her faith, that's why Jesus said, your faith made you well, right? So what's the point? The point is, if there's, if there's one person who is being successful in something that you want to be successful in and are not, let's not throw rocks at that one person, but let's learn from that person. Are you understand what I'm saying here? Let's, in other words, let me say it another way. What did she do that the others didn't? What did she have that the others did not have? What, what was the attitude of her heart uh, in, in this whole episode that day uh, that was different from the attitudes in the, in the other people's heart who also reached out and, and put a hand on Jesus but did not uh, receive uh, healing from Him. Now again, I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable, but I believe there's some very significant lessons for us to learn from this case study. Now, one of the things that we've already pointed out, and, and again, you'd have to go back into March and uh, in, in February of this year. I'm not going to try to re-preach all these things, but one of the things that we pointed out is that the crowds thronged, she touched. That's what the Bible says. So there's a difference between thronging and touching. We also have pointed out that one of the major differences was that her faith was specific and personal while the others obviously had some level of faith or else they wouldn't have reached out and touched Jesus but that their faith was more of a general faith while hers was more specific okay um, doctor I believe it's Dr. Cho is how you say his name pastors I believe it's the largest church in the world at least at one time it was in uh, South Korea and um, I read a book by him when I was very young and to be honest with you there's things that I'm, I'm still processing through all of that but one of the things he talks about as he was growing and learning from faith to faith was there uh, you know trying to minister living in, in somewhat of poverty he wanted a bicycle and he began to ask God for a bicycle and he asked God for a bicycle and believed God for a bicycle and prayed for a bicycle and and never really received a bicycle and so finally he just says lord you know what's what's up here i i've been asking for a bike i'm not just you know trying to be selfish here i need this bike to be more effective in the ministry that you've called me to and so he said the lord just asked him a very simple question he said he's what kind of bicycle what color bicycle right now now you say well come on now pastor mark is god just playing you know hardball here is, is he just you know, you know, carrot in front of the donkey, what is he doing? No, no, no. Father is showing him 
where he's missing it. He, he's going from general faith, which again is important, but it's not the same as specific. It's not the same as something personal. And so he sat down and he made a list of exactly what that bicycle, see now what happened. Now his heart's grabbed hold of that bike. He's seeing a specific bike, a specific color. Now it's become personal. Now it's become specific. And I don't recall exactly. It's been a long time since I read the story. I probably should have had no intention of sharing it tonight. I just felt it bubble up in my spirit. But I'm just trying to show you the difference between generally believing something and specifically believing something. There's a lot of people who believe God can heal that have never received healing for themselves. Okay? There's a lot of people who believe, and I'm not trying to shock you, but there are a lot of people who believe it's God's will to heal everybody not receiving healing for themselves, right? Dr. Cho believed it was God's will for him to have a bicycle, okay? But he didn't receive the bicycle until his faith became specific, until it became something personal. So in my notes, I have uh, these statements. A specific and personal problem calls for specific and personal faith. So many times we try to use a general faith for a specific for a specific problem. It doesn't work that way. A specific and personal problem calls for specific and personal faith, and then specific and personal faith calls for a specific and personal action. And again, in these case studies, we see that. We see that J. Iris, I believe he had already, you know, planned it out in his mind what he was going to do. He goes to Jesus, he bows down, he humbles himself, he knows the importance of that, being a priest in the Old Testament. He, he makes his request known. Uh, he releases his faith in the statement, what he believes. If you come, my daughter will be healed and she'll live. All of this stuff, right? This, this is not just random. You know, it wasn't, good master, I know that you can heal the sick and my daughter needs some healing and, you know, if you might could get around to it, one of these. No, no, it was very specific. Uh, and, and even more so uh, when, when we look at the one with the issue of blood. In, in her case, you know, the Bible says she said within herself continually, if I touch, if only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Now, so we've talked about the thronging versus the touching. We've talked about the general versus the specific. And tonight, and I'm, I'm going to have to probably wind this down before, but we'll pick it back up next week, is... The difference between, and let me, I'll put it up on the screen here uh, behind me, is the difference between uh, a contact versus connection. Contact versus connection. Now, this is going to take, again, some explaining, uh, but we see that in the thronging, the people were simply trying to make contact with Jesus. And I believe that their, what they may have called faith was really more of a hope, you know, let's give it a try, what do we got to lose kind of approach to this thing that if, if they could just make contact with him. Because again, she didn't throng or just try to make contact, but her faith made a connection okay and so if we look at the difference between these two words contact is simply the joining of two surfaces okay so I'm making 
contact with this podium. I'm making contact with my glasses. Uh, the surface of my hand is, is coming in, in contact with uh, the surface of the rims of my glasses. So that's contact. Connection, on the other hand, is something much deeper. To connect means to establish a link that allows people or things to pass between. Okay? It allows people or things to pass between. Now, so if you take this definition of connection, we see that it fits what was experienced here in, that, in the sense that her faith created a connection that allowed the healing virtue to flow from Jesus into her body. So, you say, well, Pastor Mark, are you just splitting hairs here? Well, maybe I am, but I believe the Holy Spirit is here to help us um, split them. In, in other words, you say, you know, tomato, tomato, connect, con, you know, contact, you know, is, is there really that big of a difference? I, I believe that it's all the difference in the world. I believe that it's clear as it could be in these verses that it's the difference between receiving and not receiving. Okay? Now, thank you, Jesus. Let me, let me get to one last uh, part here, all right? When we see that she touched him, and I'll get more into the definition uh, next week, but we see that the difference between a touch and a throng or the corresponding connect or contact, the difference of that is the, in, the, the inward attitude that a person has. And, and so we see that, that the attitude has to do with exerting, and I'm, I'm going to give you a big phrase here, maybe I'm biting off a little too much at the end, but let me just plant some of this and we'll, we'll water it and develop it and cultivate it some more next week. But it has to do with this mindset that says, I'm going to, and I'm quoting, let me explain it after I, after I quote it from the definition. It means to exert a modifying influence upon. To exert a modifying influence upon. Now, now you say, Pastor Mark, what, what does that really mean? You're losing me. No, no, I'm not losing you. Stay with me. The attitude of her heart was, I'm going to grab hold of him and something's going to change. In other words, that's the exerting, the modifying influence. To modify something means to change it. Okay? So, you know, you could, you could pick something up to look at it. Okay? Or you could pick something up to, to open it, to get a spoon and eat it. Right? You know? If, uh, if, if I go get John Mark's uh, pint of Chunky Monkey Ben & Jerry's ice cream out of the freezer, if I just, if I just get it out to, to look at it, right, See what it is, see what's in it, see when it was, you know, expires, that sort of thing, okay, and then put it back. That's completely different than me reaching in there and taking it out of the freezer to exert a modifying influence upon it, right? The modifying influence means I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to alter the condition of this ice cream. I'm fixing to get the biggest spoon in the silverware drawer and I'm going to town on it. Completely different attitude, right? It's a completely different attitude. You say, Pastor Mark, is that really that big of a deal? Again, I believe that it's not only that big of a deal, I believe it's the difference between, between receiving 
versus going away without having made the connection and, and receiving what it is that Jesus has for you. Okay? So, her attitude is what was different. And I think it was that attitude, and there was, I think evidence of this is back to where we started, she witnessed so many people make contact with him that were not healed. Every, just every time that happens, it's like, man, I don't know why I thought this was going to work. It's not working for anybody else. I'm about to get myself in trouble. There's the church police right there by Jesus. You know, in other words, think of all the pressure that the enemy was applying to her to just slip away and, and, and sneak back in her house. But see, she had an attitude that said, I'm, I'm going to grab hold to him and something's going to change. Right? <laughs> I'm just get a hold to him. Now, again, some of you have heard Bryce Hankins' uh, story, you know. Um, it was a very simple prayer that, that the Lord used to revolutionize his life, but he had just come to such a low place in his life, he said, you know, he didn't just try to make contact, you know, he, he prayed a very desperate prayer. He's like, Jesus, either change me or let me die. Now, again, Jesus don't want you to die, Jesus wants you to live, right? But he said, either change me or, or let me die, because he, he just was tired of being in the condition that he had, had you know, wound up in in his life. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference between, you know, change me or let me die? In other words, I'm getting down here to pray, and I'm not, I'm not getting up until something happens. I'm, 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 I'm before you, Lord, and, and, and you're either going to do something in my life, or, uh, or you're just going to have to take me on home, because I'm not going to continue like this any longer. There's a, again, it's, it's, I can only get you so close with words, you've got to let the Holy Spirit connect the rest of these dots for you. But it's, it's this attitude, I'll show it to you next week, but it's, it's this attitude, remember Jacob? Man, he grabbed hold of the Lord and wrestled with him all night. And, and the sun started coming up, and the Lord said, let me go. And Jacob said, I mean, he's got a hip out of joint, right? I mean... If you've ever wrestled, you know that you, you use your legs. I mean, that's where you get leverage with your legs, pushing off. And so he's, he's like wrestling, and now his hip's at a joint. You'd think, okay, uncle, tapping out, whatever, you know. Okay, I give up. No, no. I mean, now his hip's at a joint, and the sun's coming up, and the Lord is like, listen, let me go. And he's like, I will not let you go till you bless me. See, that's the difference between making contact and making a connection. I'm not letting you go to you bless me. And, of course, we know that he blessed him and blessed him big time. Amen. All right, some more to come on this. Let me pray for you. Father, you're so good to us. And, and I know, Lord, that religion tells us you play hard to get. Nothing can be further from the truth. Father, I'm, I'm reminded of that song from Highlands Worship, Lord. They said, if you're on the mountain, we'll climb it. If you're across the river, we'll swim it. But... At the end of the day, uh, you're just not that hard to find, Lord. You, you, you're right here uh, waiting on us. Your, your goodness and mercy is pursuing us. Father, if, if anything, you're trying to find us. You know, this idea that we've got to hunt you down or, you know, you, you're playing hard to get. It's, it's just simply not true. And, and, Lord, even when it comes to the things that you have for us, it's yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen, Father. It's just we, we try to receive these things through the flesh, Lord, and, and the flesh can't inherit the kingdom. Only faith, Father, the things of the Spirit. 
can take into personal possession all that belongs to us as your sons and daughters. So, Lord, I thank you tonight for challenging us. Lord, I, uh, I just speak against the enemy trying to use anything I've said uh, in, in a way that would be offensive to somebody. Lord, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to judge anybody. He's judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. But I thank you, Father, that, that you desire good things for us. And you're teaching us, Lord, how to be faithmaticians, Lord, how to solve impossible life problems with faith. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, again, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for your continued prayers and support and supporting one another, loving one another, reaching out to one another. Um, we'd love to see you on Sunday. Of course, we understand if you're not ready to be out in public and in person. Um, we have some folks that wear masks in the services, some folks that don't. That's entirely up to you. We've got plenty of room to spread out in the sanctuary and, and enjoy that uh, in-person worship. But um, if not, we understand. We, you say, Pastor Mark, what happened the last two Sunday morning uh, sermons? We had issues with the audio and the video camera. And so we're not just being lazy and not posting those. We don't have any to post in spite of um, our efforts to do so. But uh, anyway, we're getting those bugs worked out. And so if you're not able to join us on Sunday morning, uh, we're going to do our very best to record those services and get them up on the Internet for you. Amen. You be blessed. And again, good things coming.